John chapter 17 and verse 1. John chapter 17 and verse 1. Polycarp was the last man alive who had known an apostle. It was about 160 A.D. He was 86 years old. Uh, the Romans had come to get him, to, to seize him, and ultimately to make him renounce his faith. He had been a pastor and a bishop in the area uh, for some time. And so they, they actually tortured some of the people that he had been staying with to find out where he was. They went and they uh, captured him and they brought him. And the proconsul saying, look, uh, I have wild animals that I can release upon you if you don't renounce Jesus. He said, for 86 years, he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? He said, well... He said, then I'll burn you alive. And he says, well, do what you need to do. And they burned Polycarp alive. But you see, Polycarp was not going to renounce Jesus Christ. He was committed to follow him to the death. His life was lived for the glory of God. We're, there's a scripture verse that says, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's the call of a Christian's life. And uh, we need to bring glory to our great Savior. He's certainly worthy of it. And this world needs to hear it. Uh, and, and we need to share it. It encourages us as we share. It provides a way of salvation for those who need to hear uh, in this scripture today, Jesus is praying what is called his great high priestly prayer. And you see the heart of Jesus coming out in these first five verses as he prays, God, let me glorify you. And uh, that's the heart that Jesus has. He's, how was Jesus going to glorify him? He was going to glorify him by going to a cross. He was going to glorify him Three days later when he arose again, he was going to glorify him as he taught the disciples and prepared them for his ministry and ultimately as he ascended to the right hand of God. Um, and he is being glorified today and he glorifies the Father. I want you to know that we're called as God's people to glorify our great God. And uh, we can do that through the power of of the Holy Spirit. The title of my message is Glorifying God. Look at me at verse 1 of John 17. It says, Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all flesh, that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. So glorifying God. How do we glorify God? Well, how do you glorify him? First of all, pray for help. Pray for help. If you look in verse 1, he says, glorify your son 
so that the Son may glorify you. Um, probably Jesus means something along the lines of, uh, Lord, let me be glorified by being obedient to you as I bring you glory. Um, but Jesus is asking the Father also to pr provide for him what he needs to go through the cross and all that lies ahead in this hour, this time of difficulty he was facing. Uh, you see, Jesus as God the Son had all the powers of divinity. But he chose to set aside the use of some of those powers of divinity so that he could become a man and so that he could live the life of faith like you and I live. Uh, the life of faith that we were called to live. And so Jesus is calling to his Father in trust, and he's saying, glorify me so that I may glorify you. He's asking him for help so that he can bring him glory. That's a great prayer to pray in your daily quiet time. Lord, help me glorify you. Give me what I need so I can glorify you today uh, in my life. Uh, Jesus prayed for help. Uh, listen, we need help. We need help in every facet of our spiritual walk because we can't do anything without him. We need help uh, in the other areas of life, in our workplace, in our families, in uh, every facet of our lives. The Bible wants uh, us to recognize that Jesus desires to be a part of every part and every aspect of our lives. You can bring glory to God by working hard at your job and letting people know that you follow Jesus. You can bring glory to God by being a good husband, a good father, uh, or a good wife, or a good mother, or a good son, or a good daughter. You can bring glory to God through your witness and, and all of these things. And so, uh, how do you do that? Well, you ask God for the, the Spirit of God to live through you. You and I can't do this in our own strength. In my strength, I fail. In His strength, I can move forward. I can bring glory to God. And so, uh, we've got to call upon Him. Uh, I, my mother set a good example for me when I was a little boy. I, I used to get up, and uh, she will have been up, and she used to get up at 5 o'clock every morning, as far as I know she still does, uh, to pray and to seek the Lord. And uh, I, many times I've heard her praying in the next room or uh, have seen her uh, telling the devil to get out or whatever the case may be. Uh, and uh, what, a, what a great example. She would call upon the Lord. And I'm convinced she kept me out of a whole lot of trouble that I probably would have gotten into in my growing up years had she not been praying for me. Uh, but ultimately, uh, my dad's ministry was affected by it. Uh, our lives were affected by it. Our family was affected by it. Uh, God truly made a difference in our lives and, and for his glory. And, and they'll, they'll, give you, they'll give you a testimony of that. And uh, it's, it's amazing what God can do if we'll just seek him and ask him to do it in our lives. And the motive is that, is that we might bring glory to him. Everything in our life should be motivated by a heart of worship. What has Christ done for us? While we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. 
Jesus saw every sin I would ever commit. Jesus saw every failure, every weak moment, every doubt, every fear. Jesus saw it. And he said, you know what? I'm going to save that Roger anyway. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't it an amazing thing that we serve a God that loves us like he does? (laughs) So every day that we live, I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ changed my life. He changed my life. I was empty. I, I had no purpose in my life. I was thinking, is this all there is? And Jesus Christ, when I surrendered my life to him, when I chose to follow him and receive that gift of eternal life, Jesus changed me on the inside. I've never been the same. And if I had a thousand years and every day I'm to live for Jesus, I'd want to live for Jesus to bring him glory. So pray for help in bringing him glory. Glorifying God, how do you do it? Pray for help. Secondly, share the gospel. <laughs> share the gospel. You say, well, how do you get that out of that? Well, if you look at verse 2, he says, Since you gave him, that is Jesus, authority over all flesh. Praise God, he's authority over the Gentiles too, because you and I are Gentiles, all right? Um, Gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. Who has God given to Jesus? Everyone who repents and trusts in him. <laughs> Whosoever will may come. Jesus is given all of those who repent and trust in him. And so. Uh, this is the heart of God, and this is part of bringing glory to God. And Jesus is talking about this. He's saying, God, I want to glorify you, and I know you've given me authority over all flesh to bring those to faith in Christ who need to be brought to faith in Christ. And I want to do it to bring you glory. As you and I share the gospel, we join in Jesus' work. We can't save anybody, but we can be the instrument God uses. We can share the gospel. Talk to people about Jesus. Make much of Jesus. Uh, Let your sharing about Christ also be a time of worship. I know you listen to the Holy Spirit because God's working in that person's heart. But but give glory to God. Make much of him. There's plenty of people making little of Jesus today. There's plenty of people who want to oppose the work of Christ in this world, listen, as God's people, we need to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and tell people how great he is. I'm going to tell you, my Savior's great. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what the enemies of God say. My Savior is great. I know him. I know who he is. He's changed me, and I've never been the same. And I want to tell people about how great he is because he's my Savior. Share the gospel. How does the gospel bring glory to God? It tells about the amazing love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Uh, the gospel brings glory to God because it shows the heart of God that, that he would send his son and that Jesus Christ said, hey, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. Jesus willingly went to the cross, willingly sacrificed himself in our place 
What an amazing God. Isaiah 53 says to the, that the Father was pleased to crush him for us. The Father, in his great love for us, was pleased to crush the Son under the weight of his wrath and justice. What a great love the Father has for us. The gospel brings glory to God by solving the problem of the ages. What's the problem of the ages? The problem of the ages is sin. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there has been death and there has been destruction and there has been misery in this world as this world has been under the curse of God, but also in the natural results of sin itself. We sin. It affects us. It affects those around us. Uh, And sin has done so much damage, but something happened. There was not just one Adam, there was a second Adam. And his name is Jesus Christ. The first Adam sinned and lost his place in in creation as the head of creation. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, is perfectly obedient and honors God, goes to a cross, and regains the place of exaltation for man as the God-man. Jesus Brought glory to God by solving this problem. He died for sin. He arose. What was the problem of sin? The Father said, In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And they did. They died spiritually. God was at a distance. They had to leave the garden. They died emotionally. Nothing would ever be the same. Uh, Life would never be the same. There was grief. There was heartache. There was pain. Cain kills Abel just a short time later. Everything was different. And ultimately, they died physically. But can I tell you, Jesus reversed it because he paid the price for sin. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that we could be accepted. Jesus uh, undid it by overcoming the curse of sin. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus overcame the problem of death because on the third day, Jesus arose as the first fruit of the resurrection. It brings glory to God because Jesus is saying that. And can I tell you something? Because of what Jesus has done, the Bible says in the same way, we too will rise. Will rise. He has prepared a new place for us where righteousness dwells. And, and, and we have this hope. Listen, we live in, under the overlap of two ages. We live in the, the, this present evil age, but we also, as God's people, are part of the age to come. We have been adopted into the family of God. We are part of his new plan for eternity. So we live in the grief and the heartache of this world, but there is a new day coming. And one day, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there'll be no more sorrow or crying or pain or heartache. For the former things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. 
Glory to God. (laughs) History was turned around at the cross. And it's being turned around today in the lives of God's people. God sustains us with his power, and one day he'll take us to glory. As you share the gospel, you share the most significant event of human history. You share the most powerful change of history and the most powerful hope of history and the greatest man of history, Jesus Christ. Listen, it brings glory to God. Share the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. What did Paul say? I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, first for the Jew and also for the Greek or the Gentile. Share the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation, and it will bring glory to God as you do. It doesn't matter how the person responds. They may say, I'm interested. They may say, I'm not interested. Or they may spit in your eye. It doesn't matter how they respond, but you've brought glory to God as you share the gospel. And it is the hope for human beings. So glorify God. How do we do it? Well, we pray for help. We share the gospel. Thirdly, complete your work. Complete your work. Pray for help. Share the gospel. Complete your work. Verse 4, I have glorified you. Jesus is speaking here. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus has completed his earthly ministry and he's about to go to the cross to to fulfill the fullness of of the plan of God. But he says, look, I've done the work you've called me to do. And he glorified God by it. Jesus didn't give up. He had enemies on every side. There was a committee waiting to kill him at every, every turn in his life, in his earthly ministry. But Jesus continued on. He completed the work that God gave him to do. Aren't you glad he completed the work? Where would we be if Jesus had said, you know what, I think I'm going to call those 10,000 angels. Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. Nobody forced Jesus to the cross. He willingly went. Uh, What about the people who have impacted your life? Aren't you glad they they didn't fail to complete their work? I can think of people in my life uh, who were part of my coming to Christ. Others who discipled me and helped me grow as a Christian. There's some youth directors along the way and um, pastor friends uh, and, and godly Christian people in the churches in which I've served. And um, What an amazing thing that God uses us to bless other people. It's an incredibly significant thing. Aren't you glad that they completed the work? Listen, we need to complete our work. If you're a child of God, you have a job to do. Part of that work is to encourage and strengthen the body of believers. Some people will do it through service, things you do for God's people. Uh, others will do it through words of encouragement. But we are called by God, we're given a task by God to bless the people of God. That's part of our job. The other part of our job is to reach a lost world, right? 
both of those things. So we've got to complete the work. Now, your role may be different. Your role in reaching the world may be different than mine. Your role in reaching the neighborhood may be different than mine, okay? But all of us have a role, and all of us have a part to play. And if you get busy serving God, he'll show you what you need to do. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to complete the work. Some of you may be discouraged. Maybe you've been serving God for many years faithfully, but, but you're discouraged. And you think, you know what? What I do doesn't seem to make a difference. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Can I tell you something? You serve God. Let him worry about the results. You be obedient to him. And you do the work God's calling you to do. And let him be responsible for the results. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't ultimately know what God's up to, do we? It's amazing. You know, the disciples, they, they constantly misunderstood Jesus. He'd tell them something, and they'd say something. He'd say, how long am I going to be with you guys? When are you guys going to get it? It kind of encourages me, you know. <laughs> when are you guys going to get it? And uh, they just seemed to be clueless at every, at every, at every turn, and, and yet God still used them. Sometimes the most insignificant things end up being the most important things. Who would have thought? That an obscure Jewish carpenter and 12 men who followed him would not only change the world of their day, but would change all of history. <laughs> Who would have thought 120 folks or so in an upper room would turn the world upside down when the Spirit was given at Pentecost? But God is still God. <laughs> Can, can I tell you something? God is still God. He can still work. And guess what? He doesn't need you to accomplish it for him. He'll use you in the process and wants to use you in the process. But he's got it. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, when we have his power... Working in and through us, it will make a difference in our lives. When we have his power working in this place, it will make a difference. I believe he is working in this place, but I believe he could work in this place in a greater way. Um, Adrian Rogers used to say, uh, is God resident or is he president? Okay, If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit is a resident in your heart. Okay, But is he in control? Is he in charge? Uh, same thing could be said of a church. Obviously, God is, wherever two or three are gathered there in my name, there am I in the midst of them. God is here. God is present. He's resident, but is he president? You see, until we surrender to the purpose of God, we'll never know the fullness of what God could do through us. Until we choose to make a difference for Jesus Christ. We'll never know what he could do through our lives. Complete the work he's given you to do. Do it by faith. Nehemiah, when he was called by God to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, 
went uh, with, uh, it's amazing, the story is amazing how God provides for their needs, but he comes back to Jerusalem and he's, he's weeping and they see all the devastation that is there and uh, he's just broken hearted over the situation. And he, he comes with his plan. He's looking around the city. He's kind of making his plans on how he's going to rebuild. And uh, finally, he begins to take some steps to do it. And, and there are these people of these opposing lands that lived around them that opposed him. Sanballat and Tobias and uh, others came against him said, well, what are you doing with these few little people here? In, you think you're going to accomplish something? You can't do it. And they did everything they could to try to discourage Nehemiah. But he persevered and he trusted the Lord. Can I tell you something? We persevere and we trust the Lord. God can work through this body of believers. He can. But we've got to complete the work that God has given to us. One, one study said 20% of the people of, of the churches in America do 80% of the work. 20% of the people do 80% of the giving. What if all 100% were involved in doing what God said? Is he resident or is he president? Complete the work. And what you will do is you will glorify God with your life. So glorifying God, how do you do it? You pray for help. You share the gospel. You complete your work. And finally, you praise Jesus. Look at verse 5. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. What's Jesus praying for here? Did you know Jesus didn't begin his life in Bethlehem? He began his physical life, but Jesus existed before then. He's the great I am. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Colossians says all the fullness of deity dwelt in him in bodily form. Hebrews says he is the radiance of the Father's glory and the exact imprint. Of his presence and his essence. You see, Jesus is God the Son. So he's saying, Father, I want you to glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before. In other words, I, I'll sit at your right hand. And what's he going to do? He's going to share the Father's glory. He says, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you. Did you know whenever you worship Jesus, he shares the glory with the Father? Guess what? When you worship the Father, he shares the glory with Jesus. <laughs> they share the glory together. So as you praise Jesus, the Father is glorified. The Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit loves to move us to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the great ways to glorify God with your life is in words of praise and thanksgiving. Uh, another Adrian Rogers quote, you can tell I like Adrian Rogers. Uh, Adrian Rogers used to say, are you grumbly hateful 
or are you humbly grateful? Are you grumbly hateful or are you humbly grateful? You see, there's a lot of people walking around who are grumbly hateful, aren't they? I mean, gloom, y'all remember hee-haw? Some of y'all are old enough to remember hee-haw. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Grumbly, hateful, right? Listen, God doesn't call us to have that attitude. God calls us to be humbly grateful. God calls us to have an attitude of thanksgiving and praise. Our life, every moment that we live is a gift of God's grace. We need to thank God that we have a new day. Thank God that he's given us clothes to wear and food to eat. Thank God that he's given us a place to live. Thank God, uh, more importantly, that he saved our soul. Thank God for the presence of the Holy Spirit and the comfort and the glory of God's presence in us. Thank God for the hope he's given us. One day Jesus is coming back. Praise his name. What a God we serve. Praise him. Lift him up. Philippians tells us, That Jesus left the throne of glory to become a man. He set aside the use. Uh, the, the scripture literally says he emptied himself. He set aside the use of these divine powers to live the life of faith and obedience that you and I are called to live. And ultimately went to a cross to take the punishment that I deserve, that you deserve. To take the justice that I deserve, that you deserve. To take the wrath that I deserve, that you deserve. And said, it is finished. Because of this, God has highly exalted him. He raised him up. He brought him to heaven. To the right hand and restored him to the glory in answer to this prayer we just read. But God has given him a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue should confess that he is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. We're called to be a people of praise. Listen. Sometimes you don't feel like praising God. Praise Him anyway. Praise Him out of the stubbornness of your heart. Did you know it's good to be stubborn sometimes? You tell your, tell your spouse that. It's good to be stubborn sometimes. <laughs> now, don't use that to be stubborn in your relationship with your spouse. But, but it is good to be stubborn in the sense that we're choosing to praise God and thank God regardless of the circumstance. It's an act of the will. I'm going to tell you something. If you praise God and you thank God as an act of the will, it will change your heart. It will. Uh, It is uncanny. When I'll be be stressed out, uh, I'll be maybe worried about something, and I'll I'll just praise God. And it's amazing. There's a shift in my heart. And I go from being grumbly hateful to humbly grateful, right? And God changes my attitude out of the choice of my will to say, thank you, God, that that you saved my soul. 
Thank you, God, that you're still in control. Thank you, God, that your plan is perfect according to the Scripture. Thank you, God, that all things work together for my good. Praise you for your faithfulness. Praise you for your perfect righteousness. Isn't the righteousness of God refreshing in a world that's so full of wickedness? Praise you, God, for answered prayer. Praise you, God, for the fellowship of your people. What a God we serve. Let's bring him glory every day that we live because he's worthy of it. Glorifying God, how do you do it? Pray for help, share the gospel, complete your work, and praise Jesus. And as you do, you'll glorify God. But guess what? As you honor God, he will honor you. That's what he says in his word. There may be somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you the first step in glorifying God is choosing to follow him. And uh, Jesus has lived the perfect life you couldn't live and took the, the penalty for your sin at the cross and rose again. And the Bible says if you'll choose to turn from your sin in your own way to follow Christ, and you'll receive that gift of eternal life. He'll forgive your sin. He'll make you his child. And all of your sin will be blotted out. Isn't that a wonderful thing? The first step of glorifying him is to give your heart to Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a glimpse into the heart of our great Savior, whose passion was to glorify you. Lord, help us to live our lives in such a way that every facet of our lives brings glory to you. Help us to bring glory to you in our family relationships and in the workplace and as we do our leisure activities, as we come and gather together in this place of worship. In everything that we do, Lord, let us bring glory and honor to you. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day that they would repent and put their trust in Jesus for eternal life. And I pray it in Jesus' name.